How you doing though? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Raising kids and working out. Yeah. Golfing. You got you don't really get much time to get get golf in, do you? You just kind of like on oh, yeah. on that grind mode all the time, and then you barely get a little bit of time to play golf. No, so like this this time of year, man, like we get like so typically it would be um I worked out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So every Wednesday, I try to get a tea time in. Uh, I actually just golf this morning. But whenever we can, if we can get four, we're going to go. I got to get some time. Now. I just go to the range, and I'm, like, literally addicted now. Because I watch awesome. myself get better and get the ball consistently out of the tee box and into the fairway. So now it's like I'm hooked. Yeah, that's – dude, it's so funny, man. With golf, there's always, like, one shot around that keeps you coming back. And then once yeah. you get to, like, certain levels, like, hitting tee shots, you know, in the fairway, you're just kind of like, shit, man, I can't stop now. I got to keep pushing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I, but I'm telling you, it's like the growth within, like, a literally a year is crazy. Yeah. Because now, like, even my, like – again, I'm one of the newer guys. So even my, like, my – um. My golf lingo is up to par now, so I can actually talk about golf. <laughs> like, uh, I know there you go. people saying, "Oh, you got you got to chip it here, or you got to freaking," you know what I mean? Just so many, so many little things. I'm like learning how to talk about certain things now. So, yeah. Well, let's jump into it, man. You ready? No, it's good. Bye, bye, boy. Thank you for what you do, man. We're really hopeful that we're going to do great things for this charity. If Doyle was playing, I'd be rooting for him. I'm just your average, run-of-the-mill guy. Here I am. Here we go. Guys, I am incredibly excited today. I am joined for the second time on the podcast by Mr. Tyrell Adams. Thank you for coming back on, buddy. I appreciate it. Man, I got to, man. You family, man. I always got to come back and show love, dog. You fam now. Yeah, for anybody that doesn't know who this gentleman is, uh, Tyrell Adams, NFL linebacker. He's played for a few different teams. Uh, you've played eight or nine seasons now? Eight seasons, eight. All right, and most importantly, this is the thing that I love the most about what you got going on in your life. Uh, you created the Tyrell Adams Foundation out of Atlanta, Georgia, helping out young yeah. kids uh, in, the, in the cities. Um, talk to us more about that, man, because I know you got a big golf tournament coming up here in a couple weeks, June 26th, Bridge Mill Athletic Club outside of yeah. Atlanta. yeah. And look at you, man. You own it. You know everything about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, so it's Tyrell Adams Foundation, man. I started it um, officially 2020, but we have been doing work since uh, about 2015. Uh, I was doing give backs to the community. They raised me. Um, and I instantly realized way before I even started uh, playing NFL or um, even before I got to college, that um, I had like a lot of limited experiences and a lot of exposure to things and limited access to like uh, resources to be successful. Um, so as I got older, uh, I had a real passion to give back to those kids that grew up in that same community, uh, those guys I could relate to across the world. And uh, just kind of grew from there. Right now we uh, do uh, multiple events every year. Uh, our biggest event, which is the golf tournament, which, which helps us kind of like raise capital, raise resources to kind of give back funds our um, mentorship, our uh, Christmas Christmas event, uh, our Thanksgiving event. Uh, we also do, this past year, we did a, um, well, um, how you say, like a care package giveaway to some seniors from my, uh, my old high school, a couple guys going off, going off to college. So I uh, gave them a, some care packages to get them ready for their first year in college, while also 
uh, gave him a little pep talk to the to the seniors and a couple uh, underclassmen just about life outside of um, the west side of Atlanta and how they can be successful in different areas and different facets of life and how to keep growing and what they're, what to prepare for. So, again, this is my passion, just always to give back and just kind of like be a hand back for those guys and constantly motivating them and encouraging them any way it may be. So, Yeah, I love it. And if, if I remember correctly from when we talked last year, um, a lot of what your focus is when you're trying to help these younger kids out is it's not just about sports either, man. Like a lot of your guys' passion is about – talking just about life in general, how they can be more successful when it comes to business and basically just showing them that they have access to a whole bigger version of the world than maybe they think they do. Exactly. Exactly, man. And just, um, just being transparent from the community I came from, it's a lot of things we weren't, I wasn't exposed to. And I didn't realize were even like within my grasp or even possible for myself until I got to college or until I got exposed to those things. And, um, it was just, um, Honestly, knowing that, I feel like it's so much we miss out on outside of the entertainment industry, outside of sports. You think success only comes in the form of being on TV or um, whatever else it may be. What the world kind of like deems is the big success or the most famous um, Instagram or YouTube or whatever. Like it's so many different facets of life you can be successful in. And just learning those and meeting those people through, again, my blessing of playing football on a professional level. I've met so many different people um high high up on that chain but in different avenues and different uh industries and it's just dope to see like literally you watch um a bunch of real uh met a bunch of real estate moguls a bunch of um uh doctors and lawyers and it's just so many different people i've met through this and and reached um i'm pretty sure most people would, would see a success in their specific field and beyond that and how they how they kind of um kind of have maneuvered that and gone through life and reached their success in a sense so yeah and i think again another thing that i just admire about what you got going on too is a lot of times in these situations it's it's one thing for somebody to have a good heart and say man i want to talk to some younger kids and i want to tell them how they can like live life differently right but it's a whole other thing when you can actually have personal experiences that maybe are more closely, you know, hit home closer to those children. But the other thing about you too, is like a lot of what you focus on, on your social media, on, on Twitter and Instagram, you put a lot of posts out there about like overcoming mental challenges, overcoming adversity, um, never giving up, never quitting. And I think, yeah. you know, to me, that's something that's got to resonate with these younger kids, right? Is not only do they get to see somebody that's reached the pinnacle of sports, making it into the NFL, and then on top of that, playing eight seasons. But for anybody that didn't get to listen to the first episode that you and I did last year, give give us a brief rundown because you've been through the absolute gauntlet when it comes to making it in the NFL. It's not like you just woke up one day and somebody offered you a contract and you had to pick it if whatever team you wanted to go to. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, the adversity that you've been through, give us just kind of a brief history of what you've been through, how'd you get in the NFL and and how you're you know able to do what you're able to do right now. I think so. Uh, it all tie in, but I think the biggest part you got was uh, just keeping that uh, mental toughness, that mental fortitude to kind of like break through barriers and break through your own kind of uh, restraints on self. Um, again, I'm eight years. I was undrafted tryout guy. Um, a lot of people don't understand what that is. And NFL, every year in NFL, they get a uh, they got the NFL draft, which is seven rounds. And then after all those guys are picked, you got priority free agent guys who guys that um 
um, for lack of better terms, get to pick what team they want to go to. A couple teams will reach out to and they decide where they want to go to. And then after those guys are decided on, you have a, a group of guys who are invited just to rookie minicamp. And we're just, honestly, we're just some bodies for rookie minicamp. Because rookie minicamp, you um, you do 11 on 11. You do a lot of um, OTA stuff, but it's all younger people. So they have to bring have enough bodies to actually form these drills and do all this work, get this work in with the guys that they actually drafted and put money, put capital into. So I was one of the guys on the, on the ladder end that was, um, wasn't expected to make the team, which is kind of like a, a body, a camp body in a sense. But there's there's a small window of opportunity there where if you do really well, the coaches like how you move and how you're performing, they'll um, extend a contract to you. So I want to go into that process to Seattle. Um, was undrafted to try out there. I got invited to Ricky Mini Camp. Um, went to Ricky Mini Camp. Um, did really, really well. After the third day, I wound up getting selected to uh, sign to the team. They gave me a physical and offered me a contract, and they kind of just got my career started from there. Wound up getting released by Seattle after the fourth preseason game. I was picked up on Kansas City practice squad for a year and a half. And then my next year after that, cut again after uh, preseason, picked up by Oakland, played in Oakland, got my first active game in Oakland week. 10, I want to say, because my first time getting um, actual uh, in-season in-season reps. Uh, finished that season with Oakland. Was there in Oakland for two years. Wound up signing with – oh, it's a long story, man. <laughs> wound up start uh, – wound up playing with the Colts for preseason. Signing with Colts for preseason, got released, got picked up by Texans, and that's why I had my longest stint. I was there for four years, uh, up and down the roster. And then um, after I finished with um, Houston, picked up by Buffalo, released, picked up by 49ers, um, um, picked up by the Jags, released, and went back to the Colts for a few weeks, and then now I'm here chilling. But um, it's been a journey, though. It's been a journey. I can, I can go through each of those steps um, in very fine detail, but the, to say the least, man, it's been a journey and it's been a blessing. I remember, honestly, when I first got into this situation of getting into the league, I was telling myself that I just wanted to get a tryout. And lo and behold, a tryout turned into an eight-year career. So I had to remind myself that even when I had little faith and little kind of a, a, a small goal, um, God just kind of blew it out the water for me. He kind of made it, made it blow my mind in a sense. So I can't take for granted how great my, my career has been and how fun it's been up to this far. Um, but yeah, man, just like I can remember in those dark times of not knowing what was going to happen after getting released and doubting the whole process. And I literally get picked up within a few days and then the career still goes, the journey still carries on. So, I mean, looking on, I wish I never doubted myself and never doubted the journey and just kind of kept my confidence in myself. Yeah. I think the last time we spoke, you you had mentioned something about how one of the things that motivates you more than anything else is that you just want to make your mom proud. Yeah, fact, fact. So, I'm a... of the two incredibly impressive things that you've been able to accomplish in your life, making it in the NFL, creating a foundation to help younger children, which of those two do you think she's more proud of? Oh, easily, easily the foundation. She just loves like giving back. She just loves when I do things for the kids. 
when I do my my um, youth camp in the summer, she just loves like being around the kids and seeing them getting getting help from me. Again, I'm a big a big com she's a big component of my life. She's she, my mom was a um, she was a high school dropout, raised me, had me when she was 17, and just kind of just like loved on me and raised me and my brothers the best she could. Uh, and my parents did a great job. Her and my stepdad they did a great job raising us and uh, trying to provide the, with the means they had. And just watching that kind of encouraged me to kind of always give back and take care of others. My mom did that for our entire family, not just me and my brothers. I remember, well, again, we had a two-bedroom, three-bedroom home with seven people in it, and she would easily let all of my cousins spend the night, all of my brothers spend the night, or my friends from school. I remember my seventh grade year, she had, I had the whole basketball team spend at my house. And <laughs> she would literally always be like, treat them like her own kids. It's like the biggest thing. So now she works at the gym I work out at. Uh, she works at the front desk, and all the guys love her, all the athletes love her when they come in, and they can't believe she's my mom. So she, they can't give me gripe about it. Like, I mess up on a rep. They're like, I'm telling your mom she's your friend. But I was like, man, my mom is like very instrumental in my life and uh, <laughs> probably will always be a part of it. She's a very sweet woman and it's kind of just overflowed into me and who I am in this world. That's so cool, man. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> I love that all the guys are giving you crap about <laughs> you, know you better not miss a rep. We got to tell all them. the time. All the time. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. You know, that's funny that you. I'm glad that you talked about that though, because that's a good transition. I have been able to get to know somebody that you know pretty closely, Ashley. And one of the things that Ashley keeps telling me about you is that for lack of better terms, you're just a big kid. You're kind of a clown. You got yeah. a great sense of humor, right? But you don't showcase it enough, right? Yeah. So what do we got to do, man? Like, what do we got to do to let Tyrell man, you gotta come get out some more, get the TA sense of humor, She's get the like clown out? Man, she tells me that all the time, man. I'm just like, I gotta be like in my my um you gotta catch me in my natural. Like when I'm just out chilling, like why is he so goofy? Like, why is he not taking anything seriously? I I don't know, man. I just can't help it. But um you you've been around, man. You came to the you came to the tournament last year, man. I'm just like once I'm like in the groove, it's a good time. It's yeah. a great time. Um I can't help but crack a smile, I like the smile, I like to see others smile, man. I think it's just like the um uh, what is it? Medicine for the heart. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing like laughing and joking around. And all the guys like call me annoying sometimes. I'm always cracking jokes. We could be like mid rep, dead tired. And I'll be like breathing for my life. And I'll like crack a joke. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I'm tired. Blase, Blase got a bald head. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, it's, I'm always trying to have a good time, though. I got to get myself through it. So I'm going to try to give it more. She complains about she complains about that a lot. Ashley always complains about that. She says, Tyrell, you don't give the world your personality enough. Like, uh, listen, it's a special personality. So listen, there's plenty of there's plenty of TV producers down in the Atlanta area. Let's start pitching some people. Let's get a film crew <laughs> to follow you around with the cameras for like a summer or like during the season exactly. or something. You know what I mean? And then you don't have to worry about yeah, it. Just exactly. be you. We'll catch everything on video and then everybody will be able to enjoy it for a long time. No, oh, for sure. <laughs> and before we get any further, tell us where can we find you? Uh, if anybody wants to start following your journey, where what are your social media links? What's the best way to follow you out there in the world? Man, so uh, my Instagram is Tyrell DMS. 
Um, my Twitter is TA from GA. Uh, both of them I'll be pretty active on. You can find me doing some goofy goofy stuff every once in a while in there. You see my posts sometimes. I like have like some random thoughts and I just gotta explore them with the world to see if everybody's on the same page. But yeah, I just like to have a good time, man. I post positive content, post goofy content, I'm like everywhere with it. So yeah, and if anybody wants to learn more about the Tyrell Adams Foundation, go to TyrellAdamsFoundation.com. You guys can also sign up for the golf tournament on his website right now. Again, yep. June 26th, Bridge Mill Athletic Club. What's the time on that? What, what time are you guys starting? So we're teeing off at 8 a.m., man. Do not be late. Again, he, like you said, it's, at Ken, it's in Canton, Georgia, at Bridge Mill Athletic Club. Um, the Tyrell Adams Foundation, of course, is hosting it. Uh, we got a lot of great sponsors coming out, a lot of great players. Uh, Keo Spikes, Mike Davis. Casey Hayward, uh, Preston Smith, just to name a few. We got so many guys coming out. Um, so if you're looking to sign up, just go ahead all right on over to TyrellAdamsFoundation.com. Yeah, and I um I am super sad that I am gonna miss it this year. I had a blast out there last year. Yep. Um, the team that I was on, I was fortunate. I had some real good golfers on my team, and I think we might have used one of my shots the entire 18 holes. Um, <laughs> but we we ended up missing out on first place by one stroke. So um I'm sorry. Well, y'all did come in second, didn't y'all? Yep. Yeah. 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 So um, but that's okay. I'm I'm but gonna it was be a... go ahead. What wasn't it? Wasn't it wasn't it the high school kid? Yeah, the high school kids. Yeah, y'all were right behind the high school kids. The high school kids won won first. Yeah. I heard they were going crazy though. They were yeah. so apparently they were playing so well, they were because it's a scramble, of course, but they were arguing about like whose ball they would play. <laughs> every time yeah they were playing out in front of our group actually um and we we got to watch them hit a couple shots and those were those kids were pretty good i'm not gonna lie um yeah. and then alan cheney alan cheney's team tied for the first so you had two teams tied at like 19 under and then our team was at 18 under um yeah. so we actually kind of got pushed to third but you know what are you gonna do whatever yeah I just, right. got the, I just got the trophy exactly that's all that matters you on you on the podium Y'all yeah. made it to the podium. That's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Met some cool people. It was a good time. You guys serving lunch again this time? Yeah, for sure. Always. You know, we got to serve. You know, work up tight out there. Got to get yeah. something to eat in afterwards. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, shoot, man, talking about golf tournaments, I'm already working on putting together the second one for new to you for next year, 2024. So um, try and get you out there. Man, I'm going to definitely be there. I'm not, I didn't make it to this past one. Um, last minute family things man i'm telling you a family like my kids they'll throw me like curveballs all the time i try to plan for them but i can't yeah that's all right man it's totally okay we know you we know you're there in spirit and uh getting back to you though um i do want to i do want to dive into last year's nfl season because there was yeah. a moment there like during preseason when i found out that the jack was it preseason or after the season start but whenever the Jags decided to release you my wife Liberty is a massive Jaguars fan and we were both pissed man we were like what the hell like why are they letting this dude go <laughs> and uh I kind of want to jump into like what is that emotional roller coaster for for someone that's going through everything that you've been through in your career you're in the middle of the season. Like you're dude, I watch you all the time and you are absolutely busting your ass. You're grinding. You are preparing your butt off to play as good of football as possible and to play at a high level and to keep yourself healthy without getting injured. And then to just have a team like 
all of a sudden one day just be like, Hey bro, we don't need you anymore. Like, what do you do with that? Where do you go from there? Like talk us through that. Yeah. So as I got older, man, it was a lot easier to deal with. Um, when I was younger, when I, I remember when I first, when I got cut my very first time, my, uh, my rookie year. And at this point I had never been cut from a team. So I honestly didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know what would happen afterwards. My agent was kind of like telling me what could happen. But again, like, I'm one of those, if I ain't never seen it, I don't believe it. So you tell me what could happen, I'm feeling like the world is over. So now I got to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Um, just get into a dark place, like really realizing football was like potentially over. Um, it kind of just like messed with my brain because in a sense, you don't really think you're prepared to do anything else once you've been doing a certain thing for your entire life. For me, I've been playing ball since I was seven, eight years old. And to be a, have it abruptly end like that at somebody else's call. And again, it wasn't ending, but in my mind, my mind thought it was ending. My mind immediately went to a dark place where everything was over. So um, I didn't panic on the outside, but I was panicking on the inside, panicking on the inside. So I can remember myself just like constantly hustling and bustling, calling different people, trying to see like, um, what I need to do next, what job I need to do. Uh, I need to go to CFL, like what it's looking like, what I need to do. Cause at this point I need to make some money and create a job for myself. But um, just so many different things going through my mind at that time, especially when I was young and uh, wasn't used to this. And then about, again, I had been cut like maybe like nine times in my career. So after about like cut like four or five, I kind of knew I was kind of used to it. My most recent cut when I got cut from the uh, Jags, um, I'm an older guy in the sense in the league. So um, when it kind of happened, all right, I'm in a year eight. So the life expectancy of a player in the league is two to three years. So I'm already kind of playing on uh, house money at this point. So for me, I'm already preparing for uh, life after football and kind of preparing my mind. So it didn't affect me as much as it did in my earlier years. Um, like I said, by the grace, I was uh, mentally like ready for it um, because I had something to fall back on. I knew my life was going to continue afterwards. And but again, that came from like going through it so many times. And a lot of guys aren't afforded that opportunity. Most guys they get cut and it might be done after that one cut or two or three cuts. So yeah, I know it kind of takes you to a place where like you don't know what's next for you or what to what to expect. Uh, where your life's going to go. And I just always kind of encourage guys, like, no matter if you're the greatest player or you're the worst player, eventually football's going to come to an end. So you have to put that in your mind, accept that, and not let it be something that can tear you apart when it does come. Um, granted, however it comes to an end, it's going to come to an end. I hate to put it that way, but the greatest player stopped playing. <laughs> Michael Jordan stopped playing basketball. I don't care how, yeah. how, bad, how bad you want to play till he was 100. You had to eventually stop playing. So, yeah, uh, it's about accepting that truth about it and um, learning how to deal with it in a positive way. Learning that all the skills that you learn through playing football are really applicable to other other areas and other industries of life. Um, I realized that a lot. Definitely, um, I can't remember what year it was. I had got released and I went to a, um, some seminars through the NFLPA. 
and just talking to like different recruiters and everything and telling what they were looking for. And it was like, listen, we love athletes. We want professional athletes because y'all have all the intangibles that we look for in a, in a great employee or a great, um, a great worker for this company in a sense. So just kind of like understanding that and sharing that with guys really helps guys understand they can do anything they put their mind to because they've proven that they can go through a process and stick to the process and put the hard work in. It's just, you got to transition that skill set to another field. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny that you say that too, because uh, when I had Alan Chaney on the podcast and I was talking to him about how he works with a lot of NFL players, a lot of athletes, and I asked him, I said, why is it that athletes are so freaking good at golf when they've never played golf a day in their life? And then, like you said at the beginning of this episode, within a year, the difference is just, you know, unbelievable how good you guys can get. And his response was that you guys are just used to putting in work, man. You guys, yeah. you guys are very good at being able to actually like focus, take direction, put it into action on top of like, you know, just physically um athletic right that makes a big difference but it's your work ethic and the fact that you're used to being regimented and hey i gotta work out five days a week okay cool if i want to get better at golf i gotta swing a club a bunch of times like yeah whereas most people just look at it like a leisure game and they don't have the same kind of mindset to put the effort in and so then it takes them longer to get better at it you know not naming names or anything but like me (laughs) (laughs) but hey listen man I'm teaching my kids how to play golf very early because golf is something that I've, I'm telling you, I'm just be, I'm just be transparent. When I was probably like from like 15 to maybe like 26, 27, <laughs> I used to get so pissed off when the last finals game ended and it was just baseball and golf. <laughs> or if I'd be so pissed. It's miserable. Now I'm locked into the TV, like watching golf, watching freaking tournaments. I'm literally watching, like, I'm like what the hell? What are you watching golf right now? It's crazy how life comes full circle because I'm playing it now, and I'm really bought into it. Like, oh, this is a real, this is a real thing now. So, yeah. man, no disrespect. I gotta give all the respect to golf now. It's like literally top tier sport that me I didn't understand until now. So. And I'm locked in. Like, I never, like, the, the amount of time and, like, practice that goes into it, I love it. Can't remember respect it. All right. So, thinking about how everything in life is relative, right? As an NFL linebacker, you've reached the highest point in profession in football in general, right? Like, you came yep. from a kid to, like, now you play with the best of the best. Which is more difficult? No, no bullshit. Like, which is harder? Playing football in the NFL or learning how to play golf? No, I play golf easily. Because I play football is like you've seen guys go from college basketball stars to playing in the NFL. Yeah. Like, that's a possible thing. You should, you've heard stories of guys say, play, I played football for one or two years and hey, I'm here now. That's not going to happen in golf. <laughs> I've never heard that story in golf. <laughs> I've never heard, I'm playing golf for a year or two now. I'm at the, I'm on tour. Like, no, literally, will never happen. Yeah, two summers ago, day. two summers ago, I started playing golf, and now I'm uh, in contention at the Masters. <laughs> exactly, that's literally will never happen, <laughs> literally. And I'm saying it like, even on your best day, today is a, a great example because I golf today. I started the front nine pretty well. I'm pretty well. It's relative, all right. So let's just leave it at pretty well. 
<laughs> and the bag and I got terrible. It was the worst thing ever. That's how golf is, man. That's my life in 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 general. My golf life is a tale of two nines, buddy. Yeah. I'll have a great a great front nine and a horrible back, or a, a horrible front and a great back. Um, you know, I just so last year I started doing this thing. I called it a one ball challenge. It was just for myself, I put, but I put it on TikTok and Instagram, where in my entire life, I've been playing golf for 30 years. I had never made it through 18 holes with one golf ball with the same golf oh, ball never. the entire time. I don't think I ever will. So, but here's the thing I'm opposed. I'm going to pose that challenge to you. So from now on, every single time you go out to play now, not every time, right? Cause there's going to be times where you're just going to go out there and you're just hanging out and you just want to like, you know, play around and, and you're not going to take it serious. Right. But the next time yeah. that you go to the course and you're taking it serious and you're trying to play for a score, I want you to challenge yourself. See how many holes you can get through with the exact same golf ball. All right, bet. I like that challenge. I'll take it. I and then the let me know. Let me know. And then, you know, if we can get you to post yeah, like once that a month on Instagram, maybe we can get some of those one ball yeah. challenge Instagram videos out there. I like that one ball challenge. That one ball challenge will be the one. Because think about that, dude. Like, if somebody's a, a – uh, just a normal average golfer and they shoot like real high scores in the hundreds and the nineties, whatever. And they're trying to lower their score. What better way to keep your mind off of your score than to just think about the fact that you don't want to lose this one ball. Yeah, and if you don't ball. lose that I one ball, ball, you're saving strokes. Exactly. So you're in a moment at every stroke. You literally think about that one stroke at a time. Yep. That was the ball. No, that's a good way to put it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. My next time out, I'll let you know. I finally, I finally, I finally, you did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I finally accomplished it. It was a couple of weeks ago. My wife was running an ultra marathon in North Carolina. I just went and played a, a random round of golf out near Asheville. And, uh, yeah, made it through. I'm not going to lie, though, T.A., there were plenty of moments in that round of golf where it was almost like my body was literally trying to lose this golf ball. But for whatever reason, yeah. I was able to keep a hold of it the entire day. <laughs> it was like, no, we get rid of this ball. This doesn't feel right. Yeah. I, I got to get, like, a, a glass – little glass case i'm gonna put it in a glass case and like put it up on a shelf and it's never seen that's a memorable wall again yeah for sure i'm i'm, I'm literally still thinking i'm trying to like guess like how many balls i'll probably lose mm, i'm scared to think of that number for my life yeah i probably average like maybe like six or seven balls of course yeah <laughs> i probably average like six or seven balls of course and here's a here's a crazy part so typically I lose balls. I'm I'm definitely one of those guys that picks up stray balls like randomly. If I see a stray ball, he's he's catching, he's coming along the ride. <laughs> he's, he's the family. So in my in my bag, I got like all these random balls, like hey, your balls, Max. Don't worry. Mines were lost, but these were found. <laughs> so that matter. That's so awesome. I uh man, one of the worst stories about losing golf balls. I remember this has happened to me more than once checking in for a tee time at a golf course and asking for a brand new box of pro V ones. Yeah. That's 50, 60 bucks for a box of golf balls. And I'm not lying, bro. By like the, by the turn through the first nine holes, I already lost all 12 golf balls. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a rough day of golf right there. <laughs> you not see now that you say you lost 12, I know for a fact you're a better golfer than me. I think I might be lying about that seven. It might be 14. You know, everybody's typically lies in golf. So it's probably like 14. I don't know that you're losing 14 golf balls every round, though. Oh, no, man. So average. It gets pretty bad. 
It's something about seeing that water just makes me want to go for a swim. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a magnet in the water. I can literally be pointing in a completely different direction. I find the one little puddle. So every time. So everybody always says when it, when it comes to golf and you think about the water, everybody's always got the mindset of don't hit in the water, don't hit it in the water. But subconsciously, that's your brain trying to hit it into the water. So exactly. what you should do is you should just aim for the water and then be like, hit it in, in the water, hit it in the water. <laughs> and then you, you, you ain't never going to hit the ball where you want Man. it to go. <laughs> playing freaking mind games with my mind, playing chess with my own mind right now. 100%, dude. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see you try this one ball challenge, see how long you can go. I, there's I'm a couple other people that I met that started doing it. It's been kind of a fun thing. Yeah. So we go down Wednesday. So, um, Wednesday when we go down, I'm actually, I'm gonna do it for sure. Gotta do it Wednesday. Nice. Yeah. And then you're coming, uh, you're coming up to Nashville here soon for something too, aren't you? There's another tournament, like a charity tournament coming on. Yeah. Here. yeah so four athletes is hosting the uh, tournament next Tuesday, I think. The twentieth, I think the twentieth is Tuesday. So yeah. I'm actually I'm actually drive up with a, a few guys. We're actually gonna participate in that, so it should be fun. It should be a good fun item outing. Yeah, that's an awesome golf course, man. Hermitage Golf Course. There's a, yeah. there's a sheep farm right off to the side of the of the course, and they just let them roam through the golf course and graze and stuff. So you might have to be dodging some sheep here and there. <sighs> I got a dark mind. All right, <laughs> that just sounds dangerous to me. <laughs> Hey, some of them got some big old giant horns on them and stuff too. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, oh my God, like I think the odds of hitting the animal are like higher now. <laughs> like, wow, sheep, sheep are big. Ooh. All right. <laughs> and they're in like a little cluster, so they're big and they're oh, all kind no. of huddled oh. up together. No, this this is gonna be bad. <laughs> You'll have a good time. Man. I will not be. I will not hit on any of the sheep holes. So what you you mentioned earlier, as your career has progressed, you've you've become a lot more relaxed and a lot more accustomed to the idea of like at some day your career is going to end. So don't take it personally. Like don't let it bother you, and that you've got something else lined up for after you're done playing football. So what uh, what direction are you taking your career after football? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. I'm dabbling in a lot of different things. I've done some uh, entrepreneurial things. Um, done a little investing in real estate. Um, trying different business ventures. But also, uh, man, I got a passion for the game. I really love playing football. I uh, love being around it. Just love the process of it. I love training. I love um, the different phases we go through. The summer phase, the spring phase, into camp, into the season. Uh, I just love all of it. So, uh, just knowing that, I know for sure I have to give myself a chance to actually get around ball. Um, got the opportunity to uh, help coach over at a few colleges, my alma mater, West Georgia, and also um, over at SMU was a kind of a dope experience. But just having a, just being in those environments can make me realize I definitely have to be around ball, and I got to try to coach anything out at least for a year or two just to see if it's something that could be my calling. So, and then it's an opportunity to mentor guys and teach guys the game from my vantage points and help them kind of reach their goals and blow their own minds in a sense. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Careers. What about like broadcasting? I know a lot of, a lot of players when they stop playing, they kind of get into the broadcasting world. You thought about doing anything like that? Man, I'm going to be real. No. 
Really? I do not like Power Man Podcaster. No, man. It's just never been on my radar. Half part of the reason is me just being goofy. I don't like my own voice. I can't I cringe at hearing my own self talk sometimes. <laughs> so if I did like a couple shows and then like had to listen to them, I'd probably freaking broke over or some crap. Like it'd be terrible. Not be just miserable every day reruns. Not just listen to them, man, but then all these people recording it on their DVRs and watching you at the same time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what and then like I have like a slight speech impediment. So like if I mess up one time it's on live TV, I watch constant re-records and Man, no, that sounds terrible. That just, it just feels miserable. Just makes you more relatable, man. People gravitate towards you more. Yeah, you're right. Different vantage point. But I got the I got the far left vantage point. I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> <laughs> and then what you again going back to what we were talking about earlier, you did mention that you guys do more than just the golf tournament for the foundation throughout the year. You mentioned you do some stuff around the holidays. What other kind of events do you guys put on? Are you doing like football mini camp things for kids are you doing like business classes like talk to us more about what it is that you're actually doing with the foundation so uh typically every year uh we do the thanksgiving drive uh we kind of just put together thanksgiving baskets for about 100 to 150 um families throughout the uh, metro Atlanta area and then for christmas we'll do a kind of like a christmas event for like a family where we kind of give the kids uh, let them build their own Christmas list out and we kind of go shop for their gifts which is about like 15 to 20 families um, again this past year we did our um, my college, I'm a high school student uh, college care package so they're graduating seniors and heading to college and this, uh, this fall we gave them a care package which included like a few things for school uh, some headphones an air fryer for the dorm room some rags, some towels, just little essential things that you wouldn't think about as a person that's never been, probably been in college or not much around people that have been. Um, get them a gift card, kind of like shop around a little bit and get some things they might want to get off their own list. And then um, we do our youth uh, youth skills youth skills camp in the summer, which involves uh, kids from uh, seven to sixteen that want to do some football stuff. And also we do like a cheer cheer side to it. So I partner with some um, cheerleaders from my college, uh, West Georgia, um, nationally ranked, one of the like top um, cheerleading programs. They kind of come out and put the kids through a routine and let them kind of just see what it's like to be a college a college cheerleader. Um, but again, just bringing in so many different facets. Um, we're we're kind of like rolling into this male mentorship program we want to start. Um, I really have a heart for helping young guys try to figure their ways out through this world and um, exploring what manhood will look out look like look like for them individually and kind of like what they want to be successful in. I always try to bring guys around that's not specifically in sports, uh, whether it be uh, a lawyer or a doctor, let them kind of be able to have the opportunity to kind of question these people and uh, get to learn these people and get to really know about um, some fields they might not know if they were interested in or if they're or if they were originally, so they can kind of explore it and get to meet these people on a personal level and see what it looks like. Um, but we do so much every year. We try to add something different each year because we know the need is so high. Um, again, during the COVID year, we did a, um, for teacher appreciation week, we kind of sent out uh, laptops to all the teachers that are working from home. 
Uh, we gave them care packages, gave them a mug and some other goodies and gift cards just to show them our appreciation for teaching during that during those hard times and trying to because I had I had kids that they were home at at the time and they were being taught from home and I just couldn't in my mind think of trying to teach ten plus students on a computer. So just finding appreciation in little things. Again, our biggest thing is uh, meeting people where their need where their needs are. Uh, not kind of confined it to just one or two things or just a simple Thanksgiving drive or uh, Christmas. Sometimes people need help in other ways or their needs may be completely different from somebody else's family. So we try to always be open to that. I love it. Do you, uh, <clears throat> do you ever invite any of these kids to come participate in any of the events that you put on? So for instance, going back, you know, golf tournament coming up, have you ever had like, Hey, let me get a dozen of these kids, have them come help us set this whole thing up, have them, you know, take part in this, participate, those kinds of things. Yeah. So typically when I do my camps, um, I always reach back out to um, my team, my uh, small models, whether it be my college or my high school. I get guys from the football team to come out and help kind of volunteer, uh, get some exposure, get some volunteer work in, because I know those things are essential, especially going through that process from high school to college. Certain programs require like volunteer hours and stuff like that. Um, but we always kind of just reach out to them and let them kind of get exposure and let them kind of lead in the sense. I want to also allow them to experience being a leader to uh, the youth that is younger than them and let them experience kind of giving back and what they can feel like, and what kind of fulfillment they can get from that. So I always kind of reach back out to them again. I got guys from my high school and, um, college who come and volunteer at my at my uh youth camps and they come to my golf tournament and they actually like help volunteer and help us set up and they're kind of faces for like different holes and whatever it may be sometimes so I love it that's amazing man you know with you having such a motivation and such a passion for being a mentor to kids and to being something you know someone that can inspire kids to to grow outside their comfort zone Talk to us about who it is in your life that you draw inspiration from. Who is it that motivates you to be the man that you are right now? Oh, man, that's a, that's a hard question to answer because there's so many people. Um, again, my mom, she was always pouring into me. She always gave back. My, uh, my dad, he was a hard worker, never complained, man. So that kind of attributed to who I am and what I do. Um, I was raised by a lot of good people in my life. Uh, I was blessed to be put in some very, very great circumstances and great leadership roles uh, as far as people above me. Uh, one guy for sure is um, Eric Thomas. I was uh, kind of blessed to meet him and develop a relationship with him. Um, he's a motivational speaker, but just kind of like watching his story as like a really powerful, impactful story and the way he carries himself as a person, as an individual outside of um, the glamour he kind of like gets in the world, he's still a, a humble person and it just kind of motivates me. Like no matter what level you get to, you still can be humble. You still can help people and show love and be kind. Um, no matter what stage you're on, I think that's the biggest, biggest test of it all is still remaining uh, relatable and connected to people. Um, so definitely those people for sure. That's awesome. And then kind of a different switching gears a little bit. Um, because you've had the opportunity to play for a handful of different teams, yep. you've kind of had to travel around the United States. Part of what I'm doing with the podcast now is talking to people about travel and stuff. So talk to us about um, 
what are some of the what are some of the favorite places that you had an opportunity to travel to whether it's inside the u.s or outside the u.s i've traveled so many places i love it so london played in london one year uh when i was in houston we played the jags loved it london is a lovely lovely place i just love hitching the tube because they say tube is not the train tube um Mexico City was experienced. We got to Mexico City. I was, I was in Oakland. We played in Mexico City. We were specifically told not to eat any of the street tacos. Uh, and I disregarded that because I know this is my first and last time ever in Mexico City. So I'm going to eat those street tacos. And I survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, San Fran is a dope city, man. I like San Fran. It's very, um, very diverse. I love San Fran, man. It got so much going on. Um, let me see, man. I've been so many places. Uh, so many cities in the U.S. I just keep it um within the U.S. Man, it's hard to it's hard to even like bring it down to those three those three main ones because I've been to every city. I've been to freaking Miami, Jacksonville, Tampa. Uh, Tampa's a beautiful city. Yeah, I love Tampa. Tampa is a gym. There's so much culture in Tampa. There's so much good food in Tampa. Man, what? uh, Houston was a lovely city. Uh, Very diverse. Lots of food. Same same as Tampa. Um, Great party life in freaking uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Nice place. Yeah. Um, It's my hometown. It was a top place on my list right now. Somewhere I'd like to go visit. Hmm. New York. I love New York. I like New York. I like just um, the fashion. They like the little, the little coves. They got so many different coves in it, like different places, little places you can go and just like enjoy and have a good time. And it's got some good food too. So, What about places that you have not been to yet, but you really want to go? Do you have like a bucket list of places you want to travel to? Yeah, so I really want to go. Um, I really want to go to Australia. Nice. Um, I missed out on the trip with some guys one year, and they had like the time of their lives. They went, went to um, they went to uh, where did they go? They went to Sydney, Gold Coast, and one other city. And I missed the trip, man. I remember I was so mad. That's still on my list to go because it was a great place to visit. Um, Hong Kong is on. Hong Kong is on my list. Nice. Uh, Fiji. Okay, I like that. So you like uh, you you're like a big city kind of guy. You like big cities more than you like being out kind of like remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my so my my girl she loves remoteness. Like that's her thing. Like she want to be like in the middle of nowhere with no distractions or nothing, just solitude. So. She likes to do that more, but like I'm more of a like a big city guy. I'm from the big. I'm from a city, so I'm a city yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I, I'm like um, I'm both, right? Like Hong Kong, definitely a place I want to go check out. I've never been in New York, believe it or not. Um, so I, I definitely appreciate the big city vibe, but there's yeah. also something for me about finding. So like last summer, my wife and I, and my brother-in-law and his wife, the four of us went to Iceland. Yeah, we spent two weeks sleeping out of a rooftop tent on an SUV driving around the entire island. And when you get to like 
when you get to a remote section of an island in the middle of the ocean and there's more sheep roaming around wild than there are human beings around you, there's just something really peaceful about that. Man, I got to try it now. I got to do it. But I will say, so I went to, um, and I left this out, man. I went, I was in Utah for a little while, St. George. And, bro, it's probably like the most beautiful place I've ever been. And just, like, nice views and just, like, I went, it was like, it was good weather when I went to as well. So that's why, like, literally, like, it was a gym for me, too. That's awesome. Talk to me about food, because, listen, here's the deal. You played for the Colts. And like down the street and around the corner, a corner from Lucas Oil Stadium is one of my absolute favorite restaurants of all time anywhere in the world is St. Elmo's Steakhouse yeah. in downtown Indy. And I don't know if you're like me or not, but anytime I go and I get a chance to travel, I always remember certain places that I like to eat. And there's yeah. different spots in different cities where I like, I go back home to Scottsdale. I got to go eat at Zinc Bistro. I go to Indianapolis. I got to go to St. Elmo's. I go to, you know, Atlanta, I got to go to like the Iberian pig. Like there's just all these different places. Right. So what yep. about you? Do you have like little spots that you love? I'm trying to think, man, cause I got so many places. I'm, I'm a, I like to eat a lot. Um, the thing is, I don't, I got to explore more of like the small, like the, um, I always find myself like at the chain places. So, um, I recently went to Dallas and I love to go to freaking, uh, what's this black called, man? I just ate there. I cannot think of it. Damn, I'm drawing a blank. I'm gonna keep going though. But Houston, Houston has a lot of food. So Houston has a place called um well they got a few, it's a few of them across the country, but State 48 always have to go there. Yeah. I just like the vibes and it's like the food is like always it has never failed me there. Um New York went to this place called um I wanna say Grace's. It's like really good, really good soulful spot. Nice. Really, really good. Um, let me see. Uh, man, you put me on the spot with this one. Uh, I'm trying to see if I've been on the West Coast. My West Coast idea. It's so hard, too, because food is like, there's so many things you could think of, and it's hard to I, just kind of like pick one out. You know what I mean? If I go to a trip, I'm probably going to eat at 45 places. Yeah. So, man. Um, mm. I can't think of any more, man. Are you one of those types of people that always gets kind of the same thing on the menu no matter where you no, go? No, or... I freestyle. I like to try everything. I love it. I'm trying it. I like to, I, I really like to eat. Like, that's my favorite pastime. Well, you're fortunate in the fact that you have a career that allows you to be able to eat a lot of food a lot of times, but yeah, also it. burn off a lot of calories too. So you don't have that's to That's the worry good about thing about it. A lot of people like, y'all get to eat what y'all want to eat. It's because I'm burning it off consistently so i'm literally trying to replace killing my body every time so that's what my wife liberty says all the time people are like i don't understand how you can be an ultra marathon runner like how can you run 50 miles at a time and she goes i just love eating food but i don't want to get fat so i just run all the time exactly she that's <laughs> that's the code i do not want to disrespect that she cracked the code yeah yeah she's she's like in the heart of training for her first hundred mile ultra marathon right now and it's hundred mile yeah, yeah. It's my favorite part of her training cycle is when she gets to this point and training for long runs because she just eats like I do. She'll eat like everything in the house. Normally, she doesn't really eat a lot of carbs and stuff like that. But when she's this deep in the other day, she was like, hey, do you want to order pizza for dinner? And I was like, I'm on it. Yes. A uh, hundred miles, though, man. I just drove 70 some miles and took 
almost two hours. So, yeah. oh my God, I can't even, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. So I'm more proud of her. I'm going to, listen, I'm, I'm a fan of hers. She's, hang on. I'm, I'm going to get her up here real quick. Hang on. Yeah, I can hear everybody. All right, Tia, this is my wife, Liberty. Hey, uh, nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. She was, was super, she was super so sad you? when you got cut from the Jags. I was Man, sad. I was sad too. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you were more sad than I was. Exactly. It's cool. It's cool. But yeah. he was telling about the hundred, the hundred mile marathon. I'm like, I'm a fan already. <laughs> you can even like commit mentally. Yeah. I mean, it's, the physical preparation is crazy. It's um definitely more mental than physical for sure. I yeah. mean, you you obviously have to train, right? Like you're not going to run a hundred miles without training, but um doing it even the training is pretty mental you know like this weekend I ran 16 yesterday and 13 today and so today you're beat up and sore from running yesterday and it's hot and you just got to go out there and do it but um that type of training prepares you for race day you know so um yeah I love it it's a crazy sport but I like it so what's like the most like overwhelming part about 100 um well, I've never run that far yet. The furthest I've run so far is 72 or 70. That's still ridiculous. <laughs> anything over anything uh, anything over over one is just excessive. Yeah. I mean, it really is just it's it's a I mean, it's a mind fuck the entire time. It really is. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, I think if you're even if you're physically prepared, your mind will play tricks on you and you just can't think about the total distance. You can't. You can't start that run thinking crap now i've got 99 more to go so you really, crazy. <laughs> you really have to break it down into small bits you know in ultra running we say aid station to aid station because there are aid stations every five to ten miles or something like that so really no. you know run the mile you're in that's our mantra always like don't get too far ahead of yourself just run the mile you're in try to get to the next aid station um but your mind plays tricks on you and so i think um, for me, if I'm pretty mentally dialed in and I want it, then I'm going to do well. If I'm not a hundred percent into that race that day, then I'm going to let my mind talk me into quitting. Yeah. Well, she's crazy. Not, so she's not lying either, bro. Like yeah. she did when she says if her brain's not into it, she'll just stop running. So she, years ago, she qualified to run in the Boston marathon. So she beat her qualifying time by quite a bit. She ran super fast in a full in Indianapolis, right? And then she goes to Boston, gets super unlucky with the weather. Long story short, she gets like stage two hypothermia, has to cut out of the run at like mile 19. She had to drop and she couldn't finish. Really messed with her mentally for a long time and kind of like broke her down. Even though I told her, I'm like, honey, look, there are elite professional runners that get paid to do this that dropped out sooner than you did. Like you survived longer than than like male professional athlete yeah. runners and female runners, right? So then like a year or two later, she goes to qualify for Boston again, and she's at Indianapolis, which is where she's run her fastest marathon time on the road, right? Yeah. She gets to mile 13, and she just looks at me on the sidewalk. She's like, that's it. I'm done. We're going home. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm thinking she like twisted her ankle. She took a spill somewhere. Maybe she's like sick to her stomach, have a migraine. I don't know what. I'm like, are you okay? Like what's going on physically? And she goes, no, like I just don't want to run anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't want to be there that day. I mean, at that I point, know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. I know it, that feeling too well. That's what I'm saying. And you're trying, like your mind is trying to talk your heart into wanting it. But if your heart doesn't want it, it for like, me, no. yeah, it's oh. not going to happen. Um, and I at that point- 
I'd started doing a lot more trail running then. So most of my races yeah. now are on trails, you know, in the mountains and the woods. And for me, I just hated the road running after that, like hated it. It was boring. Um, you were just in a city running around somewhere. And so even though I wanted to want to qualify for Boston again, when I got out there in the middle of it and it hurts, right? Like running that fast for a marathon hurts, but I could have gone, gone through it if I'd been mentally tough enough to do it. And if I wanted it, yeah. but I didn't want it. I was like, fuck no, that. That's real. <laughs> yeah. that's real. Dude, that's and the real. craziest part about that too, is like when you're trying to qualify for something, they always have pacers at marathons where there's somebody running that's holding a sign with a finishing time up. Like, Oh, if you want to finish in four hours, follow the guy that's holding the sign that says four hours. And if you stay with him, you'll break four hours. Right. So she had started that run with the pacer that was holding the time that she needed to qualify for Boston again, bro. I'm talking, she's so far ahead of this fool in this run. Cause she's doing so well. We had a full on conversation with her dead stopped standing in the middle of the street about how I'm trying to get her to keep running and she doesn't want to keep going. And the pacer is so far behind her that by the time we finally decided, decided to like get in a car and leave, then the pacer rolled by. Like yeah. she could have just yeah. walked for 10 minutes and stayed ahead of her cutoff to. time to like kind of chill out for a minute. 10 minutes to get her mind right. Yeah, Dude, I didn't want to. Then he passed and I'm like, babe, seriously, like he's right there. Like, just go. Like, you still got this. She's like, no, nah, fuck that. I'm out. I mean, I think like you understand as an athlete, um, your mind is very powerful and it can be powerful yeah. for good or it can be powerful for bad. Bad. And what I've learned about myself is I really, I can only enter races that I really want to finish for some higher reason, because if I'm just doing it because my friends are doing it, these ultras, like if I'm doing it because my friends are doing it, I mean, that's 50 to hundred miles in the mountains. Like you're going to have to want to do that. I mean, that being said, yeah. like I've had some really tough races that probably I could have or should have dropped out of, but I was like, no, fuck that. I'm finishing this race and I've yeah, made myself right. get to the finish. So you know, what I hope is that come Leadville, come my hundred miler, my mind is dialed in because I'll do the training. Like I'm always going to do the training. I'm always going to hit my numbers. That won't be a problem, but it's whether or not my mind shows up. No, that's dope. So like, it's crazy because the mind really can like, it'll pick and choose when it wants to come to work. <laughs> you know, they'll be like, you know what? Yeah. Let's go to there. Yeah. You know what? Mm, I don't want to do one rep. I don't want to do a mile. No. Yeah. So I'm, again, again, I commend you because like I'm sitting here thinking. My trainers like always try to make us like run this little 5k mm -hmm. and it's like the most miserable thing ever because I get to like mile one yeah. and my back is so tight because I mm -hmm. don't have the body. I don't run good technique for this. Yeah. But then if I power through it and about like mile and a half, mm -hmm. the back will loosen up and then I start feeling like a runner. Yeah. And I experienced it one time. I experienced it one time that runner's high. That's what like everybody keeps chasing. Ever. Yeah. Everybody keeps it's chasing It's the craziest that. feeling ever. Mm -hmm. I can't, I only had it one time. I can't get it again. Uh, it was the one time I got. I would fly. I get years. it. I get it about three or four times a year, and I run almost every day. So don't feel <laughs> Most runs are a grind. Most runs are work, right? You're putting in work. That's not to say they're yeah. all miserable, but they're none of them are easy. And I don't almost ever do I want to get up and run. Like that's not. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I like it. It's a cool sport. It's a crazy sport, but it's cool. He likes yeah. following me around. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. We got on this topic because we were talking about food. Oh. And he was like, I like to eat a lot. And I go, Me Yeah, too. fortunately, you're an athlete, so you can eat a bunch. <laughs> it doesn't catch up with you. And then I was like, That's why my wife runs a lot, so she can eat all the time. Yeah, all day. All right. I'm going to go. Right. Thanks, babe. Nice to meet all you. Right. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you again. Thanks.
Yeah, bro. Not only is she doing 100 miles, but she's doing it in Leadville, Colorado. 100 miles. And she's finna be tired breathing up there in Colorado. Yeah, dude. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I think they start at like 10 or 12,000 feet, and then they got to climb up a mountain and then back down and then back up over. It's like, it's nuts, dude. She's done some crazy stuff, man. 100 miles, man. I'm still trying. I can't, I can't even fathom it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I can't fathom either. I've done, I've done 150 K, which is like 31 miles. And I've done a half Ironman triathlon, which was 72 miles when, but you break that up over swimming, biking and running. I got done. I got done with that 50 K and I was like, I'm never working out for any reason ever again in my life. Uh, 50 (laughs) K 31 miles, bro. I have a hard time with three miles. You talking about times 10? No. Mm -mm. Yeah, but are you trying to run three miles real quick, or are you just trying to jog it real slow? I'm just trying to do it. I got one of those impatient minds, so I have to, like, mile, like, one, I'm bored. Like, I'm tired of running. This is yeah. low-key not fun. I used yeah. to quit track. I quit track every year My senior in high school. Every year, four years straight, I quit the week before the track, first track meet because I just did hate it that we had to warm up running. It was so boring. I was like, I'm tired of running. I hate yeah. it. I don't want to run. That's part of the reason why my wife switched to trail running instead of road running, because when you're out in the woods, you can keep your mind occupied because occupied because you can see so many different things that you'll never see from a car driving by on the road. Yeah, um, you get to experience a lot of things. Plus, you have to really focus on what you're doing because you're running on a sidewalk, bro. Like, what are you going to do? Trip on a rock, maybe that you're going to see from 200 yards out. Like, but running in the woods, dude, like if there's leaves covering the trail, you don't. Yeah, like you don't know if you're going to trip over a stick or you're going to trip over a tree root or like stub your toe on a rock and face plant into a freaking blackberry bush and scrape yourself up. So you got to like stay focused the entire time and it really gets your mind going. The other thing, too, that's uh, that might help you if you if your trainers get you trying to do these 5Ks continuously or they keep trying to get you to do it. Focus on negative splits. So start real slow. And then when you finish your first mile, say your first mile, you finish in 10 minutes. Now your second mile, your goal is to finish it faster than 10 minutes, right? So like finish nine and a half minutes or nine minutes. And then your last mile, you're trying to finish as your fastest mile. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, I appreciate you coming back on, man. It's always good talking to you. I'm glad to see you're doing well. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going What's happening this season, dude? You you making, you got your agent out there making calls? What's going on? Can we get yeah, that? Yeah, he's working right now, man. I'm, I'm just waiting on a call, man. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind going to play in the desert, man. Listen, if Tell you're calling – I'm tell waiting, them, so tell them to we'll call the AZ. We need some good linebackers. Exactly. So I'll 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 know some in the next like month or two. So I'm That's just awesome. training and being prepared, man. That's all I can do. Well, most importantly, coming up in a couple of weeks, I hope I hope that you have the biggest, best turnout of the Tyrell Adams Foundation charity golf scramble. Again, June 26th. Six. June 26th, 8 a.m. Shotgun start. Bridge Mill Athletic Club, Canton, Georgia. It's just outside Atlanta. Y'all need to go there. You need to sign up. Go to the Tyrell Adams Foundation website, tyrelladamsfoundation.com. Sign up. Get out there and play. Have an opportunity to meet some amazing people. Have a great time. Get some good food afterwards. T.A., thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, big dog. I appreciate it. All right, man. Keep in touch. Yes, sir.